Om Namah Shivaya. Good evening and blessed Mahashivaratri, one and all. This evening, given the auspicious occasion that it's Shivaratri, well, it's Shivaratri for me. It might not yet be Shivaratri in America. So I'm a little ahead of you time zone wise. So today, this morning is Shivaratri for me. Um, and perhaps it's Shivaratri for you tomorrow. But in any case, this new moon in the month of Magha is for aeons been the new moon of Shiva. And as you know, every new moon is a special occasion to celebrate both Shiva and his Shakti, which as you know, is non-different from him. So Shiva, as we've stressed over and over and over again, is pure consciousness. It's the essence nature wherein you have your true being and in which appears this whole world. So that pure consciousness called Shiva has had so many different expressions and permutations throughout the 5,000-year-old, maybe 10,000-year-old culture that is Indian spirituality. And even pan-Indian spirituality, as we see in Tibet and in Southeast Asia, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Burma, you see all over the world, an exposition of this being Shiva, which even now is your essence nature. So in any case, to celebrate that Shiva, who is non-different from his creative potential to manifest this varied phenomena, to celebrate that Shiva, every new moon is auspicious. Because every new moon is the, you know, the darkest night of the month. It's a time for inwardness, a time for reflection, a time to go deep into the core of one's own experience and discover inherent therein that resplendent beauty, that bliss and blessedness, which has been called Shiva by many traditions all over the world. So while every new moon is a sacred new moon for Lord Shiva, while every pause between the inhale and the exhale and between the exhale and the inhale is sacred for Lord Shiva, there is one new moon that is especially sacred for the worship of Lord Shiva for a variety of reasons. I'm sure some of those reasons are astrological. I'm not at all versed in any Jyotish. I couldn't tell you what the astrological significance is, but I'm sure there are some. <laughs> I'm sure there's some conjunct here or some aspect there or some planet has moved to some house. I'm sure that's happening in the background, uh, but I can't actually tell you what is happening. I just know for sure that for a variety of reasons, this day has been decided as one of the most auspicious days for the worship of Lord Shiva. This is Maha Shivaratri, the great Ratri, great night of Lord Shiva. So to stress this, while every new moon Ratri, every night is a great night for Shiva, particularly during the time of the new moon. This new moon in the month of Maga, typically in February, March by the Gregorian calendar, is an especially auspicious time for the worship of Lord Shiva. But let me give another theory as to why this time is so auspicious. And I want to be a bit more Swami Vivekananda about it this time. Maybe it has nothing to do with astrology. You know, Swami Vivekananda, in one place, he actually said, if you become over-dependent or over-interested in the movement of the stars, then eat good food and get good rest. These things, uh, you know, he was speaking against Indian superstitionism. He was saying, these things weaken the mind. <laughs> And then he would say about holy places that they're not intrinsically or inherently holy. There is nothing intrinsic or inherently holy about any place in the world, except that it was a place in which many holy people gathered and practiced. So what makes a place holy is not the astrology, is not its specific geographical time-space coordinate, but rather what makes a place holy is that it is a center in which many holy people all over the world have come to practice. So that's what makes a place holy, that people have come there and engage in sattvic activities, meaning they've meditated, they've worshipped, they've engaged in spiritual discourses. And just by being there, just by throwing out these tanmatras, as it were, these vibrations of pure spirituality, that place becomes saturated 
with such a vibe. So when you go there, naturally, whoever you might be, as you enter into such a place, your mind becomes effortlessly elevated, or I should say inwardized. So when you enter into a temple or an empty church, particularly before the service, you walk into that church, you start to feel something. There's something in the atmosphere. There's something inherent in that vicinity that takes the mind Godward, whatever God is to you. So you can enter into a Zen Buddhist shrine, or you can enter into the Vedanta temple scattered across the United States as part of the Ramakrishna mission. You could enter into any temple of any denomination of Hinduism. You could enter into any church. You could enter into any mosque and you could enter into certain places in nature that maybe have housed saints and sages in the past. All of these places will give you that same feeling, maybe with some, with some nuances, but all of these places almost ubiquitously, unanimously will convey a sense of purity, holiness, um, sacredness. So what makes Shivaratri auspicious? Is it the astrology? Maybe. I'm sure there's something there going on. Is it... Um, for some other like divine reason, maybe. But let me just suggest that this night is auspicious, perhaps for the simple reason that all over the world, billions, if you know, millions, if not billions of people have all decided to practice today with more intensity and fervor. Maybe it's as simple as that. You know, maybe we can put aside all astrology, we can put aside all divinity, and we could just say, for this simple fact, this day is sacred. Billions of people all over the world, not just in India, but all over the world, will today be, be practicing all day. They'll be engaged in pujas. Most of it will be devotional. Arguably, the vast majority of activity that's going to be happening today will be of a devotional or bhakti nature, meaning people will be doing pujas like all throughout the day. Long pujas will be happening. Lay people will probably be temple hopping. They'll be visiting different temples and going and getting darshan of Shiva, meaning going and seeing the images of Lord Shiva in those various temples. They'll be paying priests to, in the South, we say archana. They conduct uh, priestly duties on behalf of people. People will be praying for the welfare of their children, Given that most of these people are going to be Indian, they're typically going to be praying that their kids will pass their exams and become engineers and become doctors. I'm joking, only half joking. And they'll be praying for their own welfare. They'll be praying for wealth. They'll be all these things. They'll go to God with all of these things. So yes, granted, a vast majority of the activity today will have a worldly flavor. It will be about going to God for stuff. Um, but that's okay. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, any reason to go to God is a good reason to go to God. So whether people are going to God today to beg for their children's welfare in medical school or for money or for the safety of their friends and family, the fact remains, they're going to be in temples today. Throughout the whole day, they're going to be in temples. They're probably going to be vegetarian, many of them. They're probably going to be fasting. Many of them will be fasting. Some will be eating just fruit. Some will be eating just milk. Some will be drinking just water. Some will be not drinking any water or milk or fruit. Some will be um, doing some other austerity, like shaving their head bald. Um, some will be, I don't know, walking up a long flight of stairs, bowing at each step. You know, um, all these austerities, all these different vows people will be performing. My grandmother actually, I learned yesterday that my grandmother, in order to secure the health of, no, my great-grandmother, in order to secure the health of my grandfather, ate off of the temple floor for one whole month. That was her austerity. She only consumed rice off of the temple floor. So she like ate it off the floor for one whole month at this temple. And uh, I had the wonderful fortune by the grace of God to go to that temple. I mean, we've gone often. But when I went before, I was like a little child, reluctant to go drag there. But this time I went, 
you know, with the heart of a yogi, I went to the temple and you could really feel that presence. It was an especially sacred place, probably because of the austerities that my grandmother and my grandfather, my great grandmother and grandfather performed there. In any case, uh, today that's, that's going to be happening. So all over India, all over the world, people are going to be performing austerities, tapas, uh, sometimes in, in, in order to secure like worldly stuff. But again, the fact remains, they're doing austerities in the name of God. So yes, granted, the vast majority of activity today will be of a devotional nature, maybe with a worldly flavor, will mostly be about going to temples. But there remains a large subset of people, particularly those people in the Himalayas, or sadhus, monks, nuns, or like really serious householder devotees in tantric ashrams all over the world, they will be committing themselves to meditation. So perhaps throughout the day, they'll be sitting in deep meditation. They will be studying. They'll be picking up text from the Jnana Yoga tradition, maybe Aprochana Bhuti of Sri Shankara. Maybe many of them will be studying Shaiva texts like Abhinava Gupta's masterworks, Tantra Loka, Ishvara Pratyabhikya, Vivriti Vimarshini. Um, maybe they'll be studying Bhagavad Gita. Maybe all over India now, right now, there are probably people chanting the Gita, people chanting Shiva Stotra and, and other hymns to Lord Shiva. And they're now doing Jnana activities. So they're deeply contemplating the identical nature between the self, Atman, and Brahman or Shiva. And many of these people will be sitting in meditation. Okay, so that's just the day. Now in the night, this will continue with added fervor. So tonight, no one is sleeping. <laughs> well, no, people are sleeping. Just yesterday, I pulled up next to some friends, family friends, and I was like, auntie, you know, in, in South, South, Southern Indian tradition, we call our older people, auntie, uncle, even if they aren't your auntie and uncle, but this time she was actually my auntie. So I rolled on the window and I was like, auntie, which temple are you going to be in tomorrow? We're going to be at Ramalingeswaran. Then we're going to the central Badrakali temple. Where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing tomorrow? And she said, sleeping. <laughs> so <laughs> I know at least one person won't be up tonight, but many people will. So all throughout the evening, in the darkest night of the month, um, people will be up and doing this, the thing that I just described, in an intensified way. So they'll be doing the austerities, they'll be meditating, they'll be studying, they'll be praying, they'll be wringing their wrist at God, they'll be crying, and above all, they will be singing and dancing. That's, I think, the main feature in Shivaratri. There's singing and there's dancing. I mean, after all, if you're going to have to stay up all night, you're going to be up for the entire period of the night. Having already spent a whole day in devotional fervor, you're going to need something to keep you awake. So typically people will go to temples. As I said, they, they might temple hop just to keep it fresh. But often people just, you know, they abide in one temple and that temple will have many festivities. So typically there'll be speakers that come in and the speakers will come. Uh, this is nice. In the chat, you could say Shiva, 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 Shambho times 108. <laughs> yes. Okay. So... At night, there'll be speakers. Speakers will come. Um, there'll be dancers. There'll be musicians. Oh, hello. Om Namah Shivaya. Hi. You are cute. The name is You're Cute. And you are cute, both of you. <laughs> All right. So he's, you're ready for Shivaratri. He's already shirtless. You know, priests have to be sure. He's already shirtless. And he's like ready to sit, digambara, sky clad in deep meditation. <laughs> anyway, so tonight, brother, there will be so many things happening in temples. People will be singing and dancing. You know, they'll be singing like, like songs like, Dimiki, Dimiki, Dimi, Dimiki, Dimiki, Dimi, Nache, Bola, Nach. Dimiki, Dimiki, Dimi, Dimiki, Dimiki, Dimi, Nache, Bola, Nach. Nache, Bola, Nach. 
नाचे भोलनाथ मृदंग भोले शिव ओम शिव ओम दमारु बोले हर हर ओम बुम मृदंग भोले शिव ओम शिव ओम दमारु बोले हर हर ओम बुम Before we singing that, they might be singing Shiva 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 Shambho, Shiva 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 Shambho, Hara 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 Shambho, Hara 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 Shambho, Mahadeva Shambho, Mahadeva Shambho, Mahadeva Shambho, Mahadeva Shambho. They might be singing that for hours. Okay, so that just goes on and on and on for hours. They'll be singing that. So these are maybe the more like festive, exuberant songs. But also concurrently, there might be Vedic chanting. You know, like like kind of like Om Ishavasya Idagam Sarva. You know, like like Upanishadic chanting. Om Atmanam Chidvijaniyat Ayamasmiti Purushaha. So maybe a more minor key sort of thing. And they'll be chanting entire passages from long texts, you know. So in South Indian temples, they might be chanting Manika Valsahar's Shiva Puranam. Let me give you a taste of that. Om Namah Shivaya. ओम So notice there are songs that are more like sing-songy in nature, festive and ma- major key. Then there's chanting, which might be more minor key, more drone note kind of thing. And those are both probably happening at the same time at different parts of the temple. So needless to say, it's intense. It's a lot, and it's all fervor. It's all devotion. So they'll be dancing. So singing and dancing is the main thing. Okay. So let's go back to my initial initial point. What makes this a sacred day? Good, good. I'm happy, Emily. You know, Shiva is called Bhaydana, which means Lord of Doctors. I suspect that he will heal you tonight. You, as a devotee of Shiva, have nothing to fear from sickness. Ma, <laughs> ma, the temple has come to you. You know, that's actually a thing. They, they, they have this thing called Radham in southern Indian temples, where they put the deity Shrividya Manos. They put the deity in a chariot. and they bring the chariot around the neighborhood for those people who for whatever reason can't go to the temple the temple comes to them it's very important for uh, people in the hindu tradition to see the deity you know in in hindu theology there's this idea that god is everywhere obviously god is all pervasive so like this blue a word from your sponsors this lecture brought to you by now i'm kidding but like this microphone which will remain unbranded on name this microphone um is literally a murti of god We know that, right? We understand in Shaiva theology everything is God. So we know this microphone is God. And we know that the tree is God. We know that every person that we meet is God, for God is the indwelling being in all. However, while that might be true, while God is indeed all pervasive, there are certain places in which God becomes more manifest. So it's kind of like saying all water is water, but not all water gets the same function. Some water you use for washing clothes. some water you use for washing dishes some water you use for cooking and some water you use for drinking so it's not that everything gets the same use while they all might be instances in which water is used it's different right so that being said while everything and everyone is god 
the Indian belief, at least within the Hindu tradition, is that certain things are maybe more powerful manifestations of God than other things. And one such thing is a murti, an image. So an image of God is not literally God. I mean, yes, in the most non-dual sense of the word, yes, it's an image of spirit. It is literally God. But in the more dualistic sense, the idea is that the murti is a receptacle for a higher manifestation of God, which is manifest everywhere, but most particularly and most especially in the murti. So for an Indian, for a Hindu, like often seeing the murti is important. That's to them like seeing God itself. Seeing So, so for those people, like Emily was saying, if you can't go to the temple today, sometimes there's going to be a radham. God will be brought to you. You know, a little bit of Shaiva history in, a, in, in places like Srinagar and Kashmir, they would march Shiva in a procession down the streets and everyone will be throwing white rice. Everyone be wearing white. I'm wearing red today just because I'm doing a bite of a puja, but everyone would be wearing white and they'd be throwing um, rice. There'd be colored flags like you see in Tibet and Shiva would be marched down in like a palanquin and he would be installed in the center of that palanquin and that chariot like a king. He would be in this three-tiered platform, Lord of all the three worlds. And as he goes down the street, people will be singing and dancing. This is called a Mela, you know, or, or a Bandara or something like that. So anyway, just a bit of Shriva history. So those people who can't go to the temple, the temple will come to them. So let's go back to the initial point. And the main point I want to make in the beginning of this evening, what makes now special? Is it only special for Shaivas? Heck no. Is it only special for Hindus? Heck no. Is it special because of some weird arcane psychological, I mean, sorry, astrological reason, maybe, but I don't care. I don't care for all of these supernatural superstitious explanations. I believe with all of my heart that the reason why today is sacred is because we've made it sacred because billions of people all over the world are committing themselves today to sacred activities, even though this might not be what they typically do. You know, Shivaratri has a way of making sadhus of all of us, people who would otherwise be, I don't know, um, pillaging and philandering and doing all manner of like, let's say, unvirtuous actions, they suddenly become saints in Shivaratri. They, they, suddenly you see them in the temples. You know? <laughs> and uh, some people like, just spend all night watching movies. They don't actually intend to go to the temple and pray, but they know that it's important to stay up and participate in this global cultural festival. So they stay up and they just watch movies. They watch Rambo or something or Die Hard 4 or something. And they sometimes go to casinos and gamble all night. But that's okay, right? Like, it doesn't matter what they're doing. The fact is, they've all committed to stay up tonight and participate in this global cultural event called Shivaratri, the night of Shiva, or Mahashivaratri, the night of Shiva. So let's close this first segment, which really will be called What is Shivaratri or Why Shivaratri, by saying this. The reason tonight is, is especially sacred, so this new moon is especially sacred, is because right now, the entire, let me be mystical, astral vicinity is being flooded en masse with spiritual vibrations. Like right now, the Tan Matras around you are ridiculously conducive. It's funny. On one hand, I say, let's throw aside superstitional language. And on the other hand, I start talking about astral vicinity and Tan Matras. Forgive the paradox. But uh, unavoidably, I have to say this. The Tan Matras right now, the psychological landscape, if I could be more Jungian, right now is so conducive so fertile, so rich for any and all spiritual activity, regardless of your tradition. So is Shivaratri a night for Hindus? Heck no. Is it a night for Shaivas? Heck no. It's a night for us all. Whether you belong to a Buddhist tradition, a Christian tradition, Islamic tradition, you're Sufi or you're a Vajrayana Buddhist or a Theravadan Buddhist. Maybe you're a Shakta. Maybe you're a Vaishnava. Sing Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare tonight. If you don't want to sing Shiva Shambho. It doesn't matter what you do, 
whether you're a Wicca, pagan, like neo-pagan spiritual practitioner, whatever your practice is, tonight is an especially good night to do it. So my invitation and, and prayer is that let us all tonight, whatever we might be practicing, let's practice it more. How about from this moment on, let's like commit ourselves to doing and thinking and saying only sattvic things. And you know, by sattvic, I just mean spiritual, whatever that means to you. So from this moment on, like starting now, um, your, your tonight, your now, our now, starting now, because this new moon is typically, you know, you have to give it three days before and three days after. You can feel the effect often of a new moon or a Purnima full moon, typically three days before, three days after. So we never have to be too exact about the date, right? And, and the date changes every year since it's a Vedic lunar calendar, right? So in any case, the date that was set for this year's Vedic lunar Shivaratri is February 18th which is Saturday for, for us, Saturday, February 18th. So that means tomorrow it's going to be officially Shivaratri. So tomorrow night you would stay up all night. However, in India, and right now where I am in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, it's already Shivaratri. You know, it's already Shivaratri. Yeah, and in Catholic Lent, Kat is saying Catholic Lent begins in just a few days. And it's nice because they also smear ash on their forehead. I don't know if you can know that ash is gone. But anyway, we smear Vibhuti or ash. In any case, whatever your practice is, tonight, Friday night, I would say get some sleep. Okay, because tomorrow night, maybe some of you will be staying up. So tonight, definitely get some sleep. But starting from now, let us all commit ourselves to thinking sattvic thoughts, to practicing our practices, to doing sattvic activities, and to speaking sattvic, speaking sattvic thoughts. Let's commit ourselves to only discussing God, only thinking about God. And I don't care if God is the no-self of the Buddhist or, you know, whatever, whatever your personal conception of the divinity within you is, just do that. Because imagine this is the ultimate investment for your whole year of spirituality. It's like you're getting a boost. You know, you're getting this like tremendous lift from all the Tan Matras around you that you might as well sail when the winds are high. You might as well surf when surf's up, right? Kawabanga, let's go. From this moment on, let's just do spiritual stuff. And if we have to do mundane things like going to work, let's make sure we spiritualize it. Let's see work as an act of worship. If we have to cook for our family, let's remember that our family is none other than God. And that when we serve the meal, we're serving baby Krishna himself, baby Gopala himself seated at your table, the meal. Do a mantra. Like when you're cooking, say a mantra while you cook. When you're serving someone food, say a mantra. What's your son's name? Eric. How about this? Before you give Eric his food, say this. Um, in, in Sanskrit, the mantra would be Om Idam Sopakaranam Naivedhyam Shri Eric Devaya Namaha. How about that? Here is a great offering of food to the deity Eric. You know, say the mantra before you give the food, before you give the water. Make sure from this point on, everything you do is puja. Make sure every movement of your hand is a mudra. Make sure every step you take is like a circumambulation of the temple that is your innate divinity. Make sure every time you lie down, if you lie down, it's prostration, a full danda pranam at the feet of that which is most sacred, which already dwells within. Make sure everything you say is a hymn to that divinity that dwells within. May no word escape your lips today that is not charged with the divine vibration of worship. May all of your words that flow from your lips be like so many mantras, even if they're words like, I need that report by tomorrow. I needed that report yesterday, Stephen. Where is it? Even if that's the phrase that you're uttering, may it be a mantra. May it be sacred. So whatever you do, whatever you say, wherever you go, pretend that you're in a temple today. 
at least for today. I mean, at least for Saturday, at least for Saturday night, right? And just know that we're all going to be doing it together. So you're, even if you're like in some far-flung corner of the world and you feel like you're the only person observing Shivaratri in your part of the world, rest assured, you're not. All over the world, people are doing it at the same time as you. And in the Sangha, I'm going to, as far as possible, keep like the festivity going by just, I don't know, every now and then. It'll be very impromptu. and We'll be playing things by ear because I'll be in a series of temples tonight. I don't know how it's going to go and I don't have data. But where we can, let's just like inspire each other. You know, let's drop a picture of Shiva at the temple that we're at or a picture of any other deity. Let's throw a mantra in there. Let's say a prayer. Let's inspire one another to stay as sattvic as we can for this next night. So my invitation to all of us and my prayer for all of us is that we will be immersed, wholly immersed in spiritual thought, in spiritual speech, and in spiritual activity. If not for the rest of our lives, then at the very least for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. May this weekend be a weekend of divine rapture. So in so saying, I wish you all a very, very happy Mahashivaratri. And it sounds like I'm saying goodbye, but we're just getting started. I wish you all a very, very happy Mahashivaratri. And... Om Namah Shivaya, Jai Shiva Shambho, Har Har Mahadev, Om, 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 Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Shanti. <laughs>